Would you care to step outside? What are you doing today? Superman. Oh, sorry, you are you? Are the lasso of Hastia compels me to reveal the truth. Meow. Warning, DC and RMD contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Awesome. Oh, sorry. That's your signal. That means we have to go now. Things are back, bitches! What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of DC on RMD, Titans Edition on Rain Man Digital. If you're listening from your desktop, you can also take us mobile by checking us out on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify by searching DC on RMD. And once you find us, go ahead, leave us a review. It really helps us out. My name is Steven, and with me in the studio tonight, I got David. Hello, hello. And Michael. Hello. So today we're going to be breaking down Season 2, Episode 5 of Titans, titled Deathstroke. And the summary is, with the team in upheaval, the Titans do everything in their power to save Jason's life. But when Deathstroke demands they turn over Rose, the dilemma threatens to tear the team apart. And it was directed by Nick Gomez and written by Bianca Sams. Um, I turn over Rose. (laughs) (laughs) Agreed. (laughs) Agreed. There's too many hot people in this show. I can't take it sometimes. You're like going, we got to remove one. It's, so we got to remove her. It's <laughs> overwhelming how how beautiful the cast is uh, across the Even board. Even the dudes. I'm yeah. like, God damn it. You're too good looking. Dude, they, you're making us all look bad. I like the fact that they did, the, did that because it really has that sense of a comic book. Like yeah. in comic books, they, every single comic book character looks perfect. Unless it's a villain, typically, yeah. Unless rarely, it's a villain. rarely is the hero. And, and you get to you get to the series of Titans, and you see like, man, he's good looking. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> All of them. So uh, before we dig in, I just wanted to ask if you guys felt we're back on track. I do. I mean, I do. I'm very happy with this episode. Good. Good. Yeah, dude. This episode was um, made me very happy. Some fantastic epic moments towards the end. Good story, things no that make sense. No flashback. No flashback. God. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I can't agree more. It was it was really good. Um, you know, I I kind of want to do something a little bit different, uh, just because we're talking about it from this perspective first. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, can we all agree that the writing in this one was on point, and and the acting was on point? Yeah, uh, yes, without far a doubt. superior. It was okay. far superior than than. I would say even I would say like the last episode far superior. This might be the best episode of the season, honestly. I think yeah. the pacing was good yes. because not only was the pacing good, but the fact that they focused on the core characters that we care about. You had Hank, you had Dove, you mm-hmm. had uh you had Dick Grayson, you had Jason Todd. You can't Listen, writers, do not go a single episode without having the Robins. I mean, as I said a couple episodes ago, I mean, Dick Grayson's a given. He's the lead. And then Jason Todd just owns every fucking scene he's in. Do not do yourself injustice by by not having him in every episode. Even if it's just for five minutes, that kid fucking delivers. I don't know where he came from. I hope that actor is just pounding Putin Tang every freaking day and living it up. I hope all the chicks throw themselves at him because he deserves it. If they weren't, then they have to be by now. because He is yeah. just chewing through them scenes like nobody's business. He's, yeah. own, he's, he's actually even owning scenes that he's in with Deathstroke. Oh, yeah. Which is really impressive when you think about it. Yeah, and owning them with someone who's, uh, what, 35, 40 years his senior, who's a, a seasoned veteran. A not seasoned to, not veteran. to discount anything that that guy's doing because he's bringing a lot to the table, too. Oh, yeah, but, for sure. Um, holy smokes. And, and the, the girl that they've cast for Raven, I was a little, uh, you know, on the fence about her at times during season one, but in this one. Um, she continues to really impress me. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I like the scenes with Raven in particular with this episode because it showed that basically the narrative of Nate Raven is not done yet. We, oh, yeah. It yeah. is far from done. Mm-hmm. And that was one of my biggest problems with this season so far is that we had last season, you know, it was really, you know, her story. Um, the I want to say the the. I guess the the thing that really pushed the overall 
narrative of the season was about her. Yes. Mm-hmm. It wasn't exclusively about her, the show. Obviously we, it was all about Dick Grayson's issues, but it, what really pushed the season forward and helped us dig in to Dick Grayson's issues was her storyline. And we never really quite got the closure we needed. And mm-hmm. she was so interesting and epic. And the fact that they're bringing it back and they use that uh, as the focus of this episode, I felt like was a highlight. And it goes to show you that TV writers out there quit trying to introduce too much. Yeah. When you have what works, you have, you have it. You have your characters. We love them. Don't introduce more when you have so much there that you could still jump into. Back in the old days of TV, and I'm going to sound really old day now for a second. I'm not talking about Magnum PI, but there was a thing called gimmick casting where you would cast additional people after four or five years. After you kind of the water ran dry mm. and you're like, all right, well, we did four seasons with these characters and we're not quite sure what to do. All right, let's introduce a new face. So like 90210. Show that'd be a good example. The guest star spot. Yes. And then the suddenly they become that, that the, regular. The, the new focus. Yeah. I mean, Star Trek uh, Voyager, Dave, they did it with they seven of nine. So many times. <laughs> and, um, and it worked with her. She became the focus and it gave the show new life. And I feel like a lot of TV shows are very too quick to just throw out new faces oh, yeah. and they forget the gold they've already developed partially. And it, it's amazing with the character of Raven too, because her story, we all thought at the end of Trigon, that was, they're going to wrap it up. Mm-hmm. But I like the fact in this past episode, they showed, they showed that no, this is far from done. Trigon's not the problem. Raven's story is about her. It's never been about Trigon. Right. It's about her. He was a catalyst. He was a catalyst to it. And this episode made me forget forget the fact about that. Oh, Trigon, they skipped over him. They they mm-hmm. they wiped him out completely just really fast. And I know that oh, that was a major sticking point for me. But with this episode, it put me back on track showing me that the whole Trigon thing isn't Raven's story. Raven's story is about herself and what's inside of her. Mm-hmm. And there's so much depth to all of these characters to, uh, to to Mike's point that we don't have to jump to somebody new every episode every or every episode. every couple three. It, it's there's so much rich um, character development that's been had and to be had. Um, tease it out, you know, tease yeah. it out over time, uh, explore new avenues, explore, uh, you know, new corners. Everybody, everybody whether you're a, a fictional character or a real person, we're not one dimensional and we, yeah. we have multiple aspects to our, our character, our personal characters and per, uh, personalities that you could explore any one person, any number of ways. This episode showed that they still have a very capable cast of characters that mm-hmm. can carry an episode by themselves. You don't have to bring in, I, I'm sorry. I'm gonna harp on this till till the end of this season. Bringing in Aqualad for one episode, and you don't have to go to the, the past because look what they sad. did. Everything in contemporary time, in the immediate time timeline, they didn't need to go to the past. And look how much story progressed. Yeah. And, and by the way, I guess I was completely wrong about Doctor Light being the main villain. <laughs> yeah. Same here. Same here. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. That was. That was a complete surprise when I guess we can actually say it that Deathstroke basically tied up a loose end. He tied up a loose end. I was a little, um, I wouldn't say unhappy. That was one of my um, less than thrilled aspects of this episode, but I only had a couple. Um, And it was because we introduced this character we saw a potential for him to be a big threat throughout the season, if not beyond. And he was essentially used as a short-term pawn, but we never understood what Deathstroke's point in using him at all was. I will give you that. That uh, yeah. I feel like they might have killed him a little too soon because, yeah, like what is his point? Yeah, why why even have him? Um, you know, at first I thought, well, maybe he was there to help lure the Titans into the situation. Well, they did say that, but I mean, you could have done that so many different uh, ways that right. were a lot more simple. Um, he was definitely a plot device for sure, but he's a plot device that could have been used a bit longer, possibly, and, yeah. and it would it would have felt. 
I, I guess not so cheap because yeah, mm-hmm. I mean we're five episodes in and this guy really didn't do anything. Especially he especially, drew the Titans out. I mean, Destro could have done that by just killing a few people from the shadows. Well, especially yeah. with how they portrayed Doctor Light, where it was Doctor Light was hell bent on revenge. Right. I mean, he was obsessed with wanting to get revenge on the Titans, and. I was really hoping that they would say uh, go into a little detail about his obsession with the revenge. Sure. Because, you know, what did they do to him? They just put him into prison for like, well, what, five years? Dave, you something? had mentioned that in the comic book, he actually raped. Yeah, of, yeah. And yeah. what are the, what are the, and it we was a, have a character like that. And we that. talked about, are we going to get that? Are and, we going to get that? Maybe, maybe they reference it down the road. Maybe they were never going to touch it with a 10 foot pole because yeah. of how dark that topic obviously is. Um, but, but imagine I, if they did though, Steve, because then, yeah. then him being killed right now would have mattered. If, yeah. if he would have been someone who raped one of our, our heroes, right. We would have felt justified in his death. It, right. His and death. also it, it would have made sense if he was the, the bait to bring them out because this rapist, mm-hmm. who, let's say rape dove, let's say, he broke out of jail. None of us are going to sit by idly while this guy is on the loose. We sure. have to go out. Then suddenly him dying in this episode would have made a lot more sense. This plot mm-hmm. device just kind of fizzled and ultimately didn't really matter. Yeah, but I, I think if they would have went down that path, we would have already seen those emotional Bread pieces crumbs. of yeah, th- that baggage with yeah. one of our main characters. We would have seen it and how they reacted to even his name, let alone um, right. him getting out. Yeah, But, you know, with, with Deathstroke... You know, he was he was pretty mouthy there with Deathstroke and Deathstroke <laughs> didn't really appreciate it and then waited for him to go out and, you know, capped him, capped capped him, him. from the behind the back. And I'm like going, no, this fits Deathstroke. You don't mouth. Out it, right. And I, I, th- from that perspective, I appreciated how they handled it, even though it was kind of a throwaway character. It really set the tone even more with Deathstroke. Yeah. And and that he has lines that he abides by and you just don't cross him and you don't cross him. You don't backtalk him. And I love the fact that they're the, it kind of, while it took away from the possibilities of making Dr. Light a substantial character, it added to the mystique of Destro. Yes. Because like, I was like going, I, I looked at it and said, yeah, Deathstroke's a badass. Because you don't want to, you, why in the world would you mouth off? Especially since, in all honesty, you're a minion. So, yeah, and, and, and to that point, not only did he mouth off, one of the key things that he mouthed off about was making fun of Deathstroke's costume. And it's like, bitch, look in the mirror. Look at the crazy getup you're wearing. Like, get, give me a fucking it's break. It's like a half-assed like, attempt at steampunk cosplay. Yeah, it was steampunk Iron Man is what it looked steampunk like. Steampunk Iron Man. But, but I appreciate, even though that was a plot device to have him, killing him off created a new kind of plot device because now the trap, instead of luring the team out with Dr. Light, you're now luring them out with Jason. Yeah. And and I think that's there's there's a certain sort of brilliance there of using him as as the bait so my question steve for you is um is this then destro being set up as as in fact the main big bad of the season do you think this is it or do you think possibly in the next what 11 episodes they can they can still introduce something else a greater threat do we know for sure the, the the episode count this season do we have that foresight i think it's i think it's episode 13 Okay. I think that's the, I think, 13 episodes. Okay, yeah. so if we're at five, that means we got eight left. I don't know math very well. We got eight left. So if, um, I think we could probably see Deathstroke get tied up before eight and then leave us a couple episodes to go into season three with either, um, you know, Corey's impending situation she's going to have to deal yes. with eventually or. But you're, but you do think he is going to be, he is that. He is the big bad. I, I feel if they if they learned any lessons from last season and what happened, they better make sure those loose ends are tied up just in case. Yeah. Here's the funny part. I was the I was someone that said I want Deathstroke to be my big bad, but after this episode You want him for a while. Not not just that, but I I want Raven to be the big bad. And we could see that. Because we could see that. Mm-hmm. We saw what we saw what she was capable of. 
And then now she's kind of, she's on that breach again of like teetering. What's wrong with me? Something's, I can't control the, the, the mm-hmm. monster inside of me. And I'm like, like, okay, we started this whole series around Raven. The story of Raven has to continue on. Yeah. So that's why I'm like, going, I'm like you. I think we could probably see a wrap up of Deathstroke by episode eight. And then after that, suddenly the whole thing with Raven kicks off. I have a feeling, mm-hmm. though, that the Raven thing, yes, is not going to go anywhere, but I don't think it's going to go anywhere ever. I think it's going to be on the back burner for a while. You think so? I think it's going to lead every show that's written right. Usually has something they set up in the first season and they ha- and they kind of let it, they let it uh, marinate mm-hmm. and then they let it go. But they remind you here and there during the second season, during mm-hmm. the third season, during the fourth season. And then before you wrap up the show, it, it is the main thing. Yeah, and and they've been reminding us in pieces, and each piece gets bigger and bigger. It's, yeah. It's, yeah, it's bigger and more frightening because she's epic. So I can she's see epic. her being mm-hmm. the 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 shows the shows myth arc, if you will. Sure. Yeah. You know, and the the reason why I think that though is because like they're taking right now. I uh, after this episode, I noticed that they took away dick from raven's oh, story you don't take away the dick you yeah, don't take you, away the you dick can't but do that. they took away grayson from the go. raven part because he has to deal with jason and deathstroke mm-hmm. so all of a sudden you take away grayson who was honestly in season one he was the he was the driving force of raven mm-hmm. now you take away that one one part away from her to make her more unstable well, when you take dick away, court. sometimes a chick becomes unstable. <laughs> oh. Yeah, but, well, at least we have Corey coming in to try to balance that out and acting and as, as a... Could. And then they can but share honestly, dick. But honestly, <laughs> I think that's going to be the tying point. Because if you notice, a lot of the Titans want Grayson to go away. I mean, especially after this, when Dove basically told him no more Titans. Yeah. And it's like he, they want him to quit. I think they're just all struggling with what's going on. And, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and let's be honest, Dick Grayson did a Bruce Wayne maneuver and kind of became the, not the martyr, yeah, maybe the martyr. You know, Batman always wants to do everything on his own. Like, I'm going to do this on my own. Well, and I'm going to, you know, and that's exactly what Dick Grayson did by not mm-hmm. telling everyone the facts and I'm going to go in on my own and handle things. So I feel like it works for his character. Like it does. What they're try- it's not, it's a good way to create issues amongst a group without the go to m- melodrama that kind of yeah. fills many of our other CW shows. Cause I don't mind squabbling. I mean, that's realistic. Let's be honest. You put a group of friends together for more than a couple of days. And even if, you, even if you love each other, guess what's going to happen. There's going to be some bickering and you're, there's mm-hmm. going to be a punch. Uh, yeah. So I, I'm okay <laughs> with that. Um, yeah, I'm I'm okay with that. Honestly, so let's take a quick break, real quick, because I want to dig into this this uh, dick um, uh, a little bit <laughs> deep, deeper. Yeah, let's dig into the deep the deep dick. Things are back, bitches! Woo! Free stuff is awesome, but free stuff that will spice up your bedroom is even better. Just go to adamandeve.com and select almost any one item for 50% off, and then we'll load on the free stuff. Just enter this very exclusive code, RAINMAN, at checkout, and you'll get 10 tantalizing free gifts, including a sexy item for him, a special toy for her, and a third item you'll both enjoy. And six extra special bonus items that are sure to rev your engine, pique your curiosity, Mm. and even blow you away. Plus, free shipping. Always sent in discreet packaging. Go to adamandeve.com now. Get 50% off plus the 10 free gifts when you enter the exclusive offer code RAINMAN. Again, that's RAINMAN. Because without it, no free stuff. That's RAINMAN at adamandeve.com. The Rain Man Show. The Rain Man Show. 
Why do you have to take it to the level of photographs and like, hey, I know you don't want to see this, but this will strengthen our friendship he with sounded, these horrifying images. He I, sounded like he was interested. Okay. Did he? How does I don't want to see any photos, <laughs> Andrew, equate to me? Please show me some photos, Andrew. <laughs> how does that happen? It's like, you know how guys are hanging out and it's like, oh man, this tastes awful. Here, have a bite. What? Have you never played guys? Did you hear the pre-show? One thing leads to another. Next thing you know, this up the ass. Next thing you know, your dick's in the other guy's ass. For more Rain Man, visit RainManShow.com. All right, we are back. Um, so, yeah, you know, talking about Jason and what he, you know, ran off to do in the last episode, it really stems from Dick. It does. Trying to be this all-knowing, I know better, I, you know, I've done this or that, and and basically pulling the same nonsense that we've seen Batman pull time and time uh-huh. again, and you would think some lessons would have been learned through osmosis or through direct, um, you know, Dick, don't do what I did. This was a bad um, no. decision. Yeah. And, and he didn't, he, he, because of how he acted towards Jason and towards the, the, the younglings, if you will, and kept them out of the loop. All it did was push Jason to try to prove himself. And it's not like we haven't seen someone try to do that, <laughs> do that before, before too. too. And, and so it's I, like I you, did, it. you didn't learn it. anything. But yes, from a story perspective, it, it's it's great. And from a, even from like a character's perspective, because this is how we I, all I, we all feel the the relationship and kind of like that dysfunctional family yeah. of the Bat family would be like. Because yeah, exactly. as much as they want to get out of his, out of Bruce's shadow, mm-hmm. everything that Bruce has taught them. Yeah, some of those things are good. You guys are forged. Some of those things you're forged. Are forged. Yeah. It, it, it's there's, just how it is. There's things that Bruce taught them that are not good. Yeah. Not- yeah. <laughs> but that's why I love the writer on this show, the showrunner, because it shows you. But what they did with Dick Grayson this week shows you that that dude's a Batman fan. Mm-hmm. He, he gets it. He, gets he it. understands the Bat family. Yeah. Because that's the first thing I thought when he ripped out that earpiece, uh, when Dick Grayson. Th- Ripped out that earpiece, threw it on the ground. I'm like, oh shit, he's going Batman. He's going Batman. And yeah. sure enough, he did. He did. And and, and you know the the whole episode really centered on the different dynamics of not just the Bat family, but these new characters uh, as well as the old characters, and the dynamic of each of them acting as a as a pseudo family to one another. Because we have yeah. what I would consider were new orphans, right? You know, we had. Dick was was orphaned. We had Jason, who was basically a street orphan, if you will. Yep. Um, we we have you know Gar, who is pretty orphan. We have Raven, who was Ooh, he's definitely an orphan. Yeah, so it's just it's like the cast of orphans, and and we're they're all working through these different issues and different problems in their own unique ways. But the older orphans you would think would have a little bit of wisdom about them but yeah. sometimes it doesn't matter you still have to fall down and learn to pick yourself back up and that was the whole that's the whole thing about titans in general the mythos of the titans is about these young people going through their normal everyday lives and learning from their experiences because it's not going to be an easy road mm-hmm. you're going to have bumps in those roads mm-hmm. you're going to have highs and lows and I'd have to say so far the series in season two has stuck well with that. What I feel is one of the core tenets of the teen Titans is that idea that these are still kids learning the ropes. Yeah. These are young superheroes. They're not going to be Batman. They're not going to be Superman. And that's why going back to like what we've been talking about, the thing with Dick Grayson has been so cool because I'm like going, he's still, he at this point is still Robin. He is he's not Nightwing, and and he's still struggling to come into that leadership role, into that leadership role, and he's trying to tackle it how he was taught by Batman. And ultimately, mm-hmm. Dave, it, this is where the writing will set itself apart for uh, from other shows. Is yeah. yes, I feel like what they did this week it would it makes perfect sense, and they needed to do it that way, showing that hey, he's going to do the only thing he was taught he to was do. He was taught mm-hmm. to do, but by the end of this season, 
he needs to realize that maybe that's not the best thing. That he isn't mm-hmm. solo. He isn't Batman. He has a team. He's right. a part of a group, and he's going to have to rely on them. And, and if that becomes part of his story, I feel like this win for Dick Grayson's story. And, oh, I, yeah. and I hope that as as the season progresses, we get a little bit more, a, a couple of three of those moments where he maybe phones Batman, phones Bruce again to c- continue to get that mentorship, that coaching, and that that's kind of Bruce's advice is, don't you know, do it like me. Yeah, and you have an opportunity here. You're surrounded by highly capable people. Um, learn to lead them. Learn to coach them. Um, you need to learn them your own way. Yeah, and it's really interesting, too, because of the way all the characters, when we saw them working as a, as a team in, in the flashback, there there seemed to be this um, equality amongst them. Yeah, uh, uh, and uh, there was no leader. There was no leader, even though there was hints of them kind of turning to Dick because of of his background and where he came from. There was kind of this natural uh, tendency to to look to him for a little bit of guidance, but they didn't look at him as a leader. And yeah. and now you can see all this dynamic and con uh, a dynamic, uh, you know, arguing and and conflict between them. And they're all still kind of trying to figure out, do we have a leader? Is there a leader? Yeah. And and there isn't at this point. And, and honestly, this is setting up for, I think, the epic moment when he becomes Nightwing. Oh, absolutely. Because the, that's the one thing that this series, is, every fan of this series is waiting for. When is he going to don the mantle of Nightwing? Because the thing about him becoming Nightwing is that's, Grayson's kind of like milestone as a character is mm-hmm. separating himself from Batman and becoming his own character, becoming or becoming his own hero. He doesn't live in Bruce's shadow once he actually, uh, once he actually finds his own identity, finds his own identity, finds his own mantle as Nightwing. At first, I was like, "Oh, it's fan service," but no. Now with this past episode, you're beginning to see it. Because he has to break out of that shadow. He can't do the whole martyr thing and try to go to Deathstroke and say, no, take me instead. Right. I got really worried for a minute. Part of me was was worried. Part of me was uh, full of excitement and anticipation of at the, towards the end of the episode when Dick said, I'm going to go. I'm going to deal with this. Part of me was like, is this the moment and i thought no, well no we yet. can't it's too soon we it's don't soon. we don't have enough um we don't have enough to get to and that point dick hasn't learned the lesson yet no he, he hasn't. has not because like going to deathstroke and basically giving yourself up that's batman that is a batman maneuver that's not that's not you know dick grayson's own idea that's batman's mentality where it's like no i'm gonna go in and basically just deal with this myself yeah, yeah, <laughs> and and I know you guys are talking about this whole Nightwing thing, but I honestly think he he's going to get there eventually. Obviously, he, I think we all is. can agree with that. Yeah, but I think right when he finds himself, there'll be something new and tragic. And I don't know if we're going to. Yes. I don't think we're going to get there yet. And there's a lot of talk about this on and off the, our airwaves amongst us, and of course the interwebs. But you mentioned you know Dick dealing with coming into that leadership role. You start this whole entire discussion on that dealing with pertaining to Jason and and how he's the one who pushed him and kind of put him in where he's at right now. Mm-hmm. But a lot of us know that Jason Todd dies. Yeah. And he becomes another character becomes down the road. Character. Now, obviously, we can't really do that with Joker. It wouldn't make a lot of sense. But what if the character that pushes him into that area, into the the Red Hood character, is not Joker in this show and it ends up being Deathstroke? Right, and 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 I think that's it's a very slippery slope. Could, could it happen? But could it, it happen? It is, but I'm I'm not. If it happens, I'm fine with it in the context of the story they're yeah, telling, yeah. and the way that they handled the last scene in particular was was so well executed. Um, to cut, to do the editing that they did, to have the shot that they did was something straight out of a panel. Make yeah. no mistake about it. But then to cut the audio where Dick is clearly yelling, no, you know, like to cut the audio, it it left you with just this awful feeling in your stomach. And if that is the route that they take to get us to what Jason becomes, 
I'm comfortable with that. Yeah, and I'm that, not saying we're going to get there tomorrow, next week, or no. even at the end of the season. But I mean, maybe we can start seeing those roads open up with how they handled the story with Deathstroke this year. Mm-hmm. You know, Deathstroke maybe it doesn't become the big bad, but he's kind of the, that villain that's there, and he's the one that kind of sets down the the path to get Jason Todd to that that moment where he becomes another person or another character. And remembering this is about Dick Grayson more than Jason Todd. And then circling back to David's discussion about Nightwing, it would make so much sense. You you have a character who finds himself. And as mm-hmm. you know, you can't have a character be all happy and fancy free in a TV show. Otherwise, it wouldn't be interesting. So you get him to that point where he finally finds his identity as Nightwing. And then suddenly this is something new that uh, he has to deal with. My, my, yeah. only, my only concern with it. Uh, and this is solely because I'm a fan is because the death of Jason Todd is so tied to Bruce's story to, to Batman. Yeah. It's what carved Batman into who he was. Yeah. To suddenly say, Oh no, we're going to take that story and it's going to be Dick Grayson's. Well, we're going to swap out Bruce for Dick and (laughs) (laughs) it would make, I agree with you, Mike. It would make really great sense narrative-wise. I think it'd be fantastic. But also as a fan, it kind of takes away from, I don't know, the the the, the whole Batman aspect. The, the gravity the of what gravity, Batman went through. Because like, but you got to remember, we're not dealing with a Batman story. We're not story. dealing with a Batman story. Now, if this was a Batman story and then they handed that issue or that, I, I don't want to say it. Let's say they handed that story aspect over to Dick Grayson, then yeah, let's be upset. But knowing the fact that in the DC universe continuity and their connected universe, we're not going to get that Batman story. We're no. already we're we're too we're too far deep with the Titans at this point, and we're probably not going to get a Batman TV show anytime in the near future. No. So why hinder yourself creatively when mm-hmm. this makes sense and there's so many fans out there that would be happy to see and i do understand your point dave i mean there's plenty of things where i as a fan would be like oh please don't do that i don't want it to be that way but what always wins me over 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 my own fan wants every single time good writing yeah. good writing and, and they're killing yeah. it they're killing yeah. it in this and 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 to that end you know to, to, your, to your point david the the trickiness of this is because of how Jason comes back, we don't have Raish in our world yet here. That's not to say that you can't, you know, refer to him or the Lazarus pit. You could. You could. But because it's not central to this story or central to Batman being in this story, they're going to have to figure out a way to handle that, that makes sense. I do have faith, given what we've seen, that they can they Especially can do that. Especially with this writing staff, yeah. Yeah, and, and with as great as that actor's been playing Jason, and I know, you know, in the comics, everybody hated the take on Jason, which is why they ultimately, you know, voted him off, voted the, him island. off the island. Um, but a lot of people forget or don't know that when Jason showed up, he was stealing the fucking wheels off the Batmobile, right? Yes. Like... That's what the kid was doing. He didn't give a shit whose car it was. He was stealing tires, tires, right? Like, so to me, whether or not you you liked his character as 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 Robin because you were used to Dick as Robin, there's an appreciation that Robin can really be anybody. It's how you handle Absolutely. that persona and handle you know that that image that you're conveying. Now, what's interesting about this and what I really enjoy about um, Jason as a character and what he becomes is he's such a smart ass. He's, <laughs> he's so witty and foul mouthed and just, he don't, he gives no fucks. He really doesn't, but he's a badass too. And he can carry his own. And so to, to see what the Lazarus pit does to him and how it kind of amplifies that and this kid and how great he's portraying this character, I, I want to see him don that hood. Yeah, I want easily, to see it. Easily, he could be the greatest portrayal of the Red Hood we've ever seen. Yeah, and I we've mean, only seen in the cartoon. They we've did, only seen in the cartoon. Which was a fantastic take on it, in my opinion. I loved every minute of it. Yeah. Yes, it was not exactly what we know from the books, 
but it still was a good faithful incarnation of the themes that they were that that, that were in the book that were in the book and Je- or books, I think it plural. was Jensen Eccles that actually played the the Red Hood in, in the cartoon. In the cartoon, yeah, it was it was a guy off of uh, Supernatural. Supernatural, yeah. And then like his portrayal of it. Ever since then, everyone wants him to play the Red Hood, but this kid is is, is dynamite. He's dynamite. He's, he he gets the character. Like I love Jensen Eccles of how he portrayed oh he Jason was great. in there. He portrayed Jason as that person that was pissed off at the world, mm-hmm. and like why did you you know the whole the whole thing about Eccles' portrayal was his question was why did Batman choose the Joker over me. Mm-hmm. That was his whole question. And it was a really powerful portrayal of him. Yeah. This kid though gets the core concept of Jason where right. just like what you said, Jason was a punk was in a the punk. comics. He was he's stealing a punk tires. Yeah. And he's, he's, he's a foul mouth kid that's rough around the edges and they get it. They get the concept of Jason Todd and, I would love to Why see what Jason this kid. Why is Jason Todd a punk for stealing tires, Dave? Like, don't let your privilege show. I mean, <laughs> sometimes you got to do what you need to do to survive on the streets. Did okay? you not? Did you not have tires as a kid, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't have food either. Oh shit! <laughs> but like the portrayal that he's been able to pull off is so comic book accurate. You want him to finish the journey. I, I, I want to finish the journey. I want. You know, the costumer in me wants to see that costume and how they bring it to life. When, I, I, whenever it happens, we need to uh, just get a, a spinoff. Exactly. Like, if, that, what, yeah. if, if they end up going that route and they turn him into Red Hood, I'm like, all right, let's take him out of the show and give him his own. And, and I don't know if you care. can give him his own, but no, make him I'd, a villain. I He'd have to become can. a villain. I think you could probably do a couple of, of episodes as a villain, as a backdrop, and oh, then yeah. to Mike's point, segue him into his own thing. That kid could carry a show. I am convinced of it. He's charismatic. He has all the qualities you need. Uh, the uh, Kieran Walters, I believe is how you say his name. He has everything he needs to be a leading yeah, to be a lead that, character. That, that kid's going to go places. I see. <laughs> Smart. You have good luck, huh? <laughs> But um, yeah, going back to the theme of this this show, there was a couple of, of things that really stuck out to me. Like, um, you know, Rachel continues because of her empathic abilities. She she really has her finger on the pulse of like what's going on with all the characters. She seems to be the most besides when she goes off the rails with her powers that she can't control. She seems to be one of the more even keeled who's trying to understand everyone's perspective. And it could just be because she feels it and she doesn't know that she has that ability to feel that yet. But she's just very well grounded and she's she's almost like a glue of sorts to the other characters, pulling them into center, trying to understand them. Um, whereas like uh, Dove, Dawn, she she uh, she plays kind of like that motherly role. Oh, come on. You don't think so? She's a piece of ass, bro. Oh, my. <laughs> you can still a, be a hot mom. She's a milf. She she is. She is so hot in that blonde hair. Holy she, shit. She's got no kids. Look at those hips. <laughs> <laughs> Although she could. It might make them even better. But, but I definitely get what you're, what you're saying, Steve. It's They're kind all of filling like, these different family archetypes. Archetypes. And Rachel and... It, in particular, okay, that's why she's the porn mom. Then <laughs> she's the porn. Rachel? No, 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 no. Corey is the Corey porn mom. is the porn mom. Corey's the porn mom. God like, damn, I love. She is the hottest thing I've ever seen oh. on TV. <laughs> she is so. She's my type. I'm, I'm gonna, gonna. I'm gonna give her dick greasing. I have been. I, uh, after this episode, so stupid. Corey for me. This is how I feel. Star Starfire should be portrayed in the comics. Was a yeah. hot black chick. <laughs> sure sure whatever works because it, it's honestly i could handle myself on sounds, set I, this, i'd be fired this sounds blasphemous off as a titans fan but honestly starfire has been one of those characters that's so one-dimensional but wait this, what you think she's one-dimensional no 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 not not, not, in, the, in, this. not oh. in this but in the comics oh yeah starfire yeah. is so one-dimensional that you know, people just focus on the fact that she's the sexiest of all Teen Titans. That's it. Mm. This series has given so much depth to the character. Yeah. I'm like going, can we take this character from the series now and put her into the comics? And that's it. <laughs> because yeah. honestly, 
the I can't remember what the actress's name is that plays Corey. Heidi McHodderson. We'll go with that. <laughs> but like what she's been able to do with the character is amazing. Heidi Mc take my dick, please. <laughs> especially especially with a lot of like the, the especially with a lot of a like creep the, show. <laughs> especially with one a lot of the early fan backlash. Like no one liked her at first. Oh, she's great. Oh yeah, they well, were railing on her. She but she's on also good as an actor. She, she we're not... is so good as an actress. Well, and I like how she played off a uh, played off a dick. Um, <laughs> I like that too. You know when when they That's were a trying to parody. Yeah, her when, name's Anna Diop. Anna Diop. Okay. When when she was when they were having the discussion about what to do with Rose, and there was clearly sides drawn. You know, you had you had Donna and and Hank who clearly were like, "Fuck that broad, get her out of here. She's a she's a danger to us. She's only gonna you know hurt us. We need to get Jason back." Um, but then you know you have Dawn who really is kind of like, "Really, guys, you're gonna do this?" Dick's clearly working out the math in his head, like, what can we do? But but then you got Corey going, Dick, really? Really? Are you really thinking about handing her over? Like, she was bringing that that common sense to the equation. And um, you honestly, know? that's what Starfire should be to the team. She's the She should be the moral compass. And she really is. And it almost makes me wonder, going back to the Dick becoming the leader, she has the leadership qualities and she's shown it time and time again in her character. I mean, hell, she's second in line to become the queen of her people yeah. or whatever their their status. Tamarania. Yeah. Um, but she, she, has, she has those leadership qualities innately in her. And that could be one of those things that she ends up being a coach or mentor to Dick as well. And that could rub off on him. And I'm sure Mike's going, I'd like her to rub off on some Dick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like, especially since in this episode with their conversation where I got the vibes that Grayson was looking at Corey to become the leader. Mm-hmm. Like he basically, he, he wanted her to take, to watch after the quote unquote younglings. Mm-hmm. He wanted to watch after them. I think what the writers are doing is smart with these characters because what they're doing, and this is why I say quit introducing new characters because they're finding roles for all of them. Yeah. And we saw those roles surface partially during the first season but to to go back to what you were saying steve she they're definitely setting her up to be this role maybe not uh the voice of reason perhaps someone that could not necessarily teach grayson to be a better leader but possibly someone that he can feel uh, someone that he can talk to yeah. As, as we know in relationships, you know, past relationships, growing up as adults, we understand that sometimes talking to a woman we were in a relationship with, like Dove, might not be the best choice mm-hmm. because there is that a little bit of a contentious vibe between the two of them. They respect each other. They like each other. But, hey, we are also together. And uh, there's some uh, I want to say some discomfort there at times you mm-hmm. definitely see that oh yeah absolutely uh, and then of course hank i mean hank is insecure and having them be so close wouldn't work with that relationship so i think uh, finding this role for for starfire for Coria, i feel like makes perfect sense you know and, and bringing up hank he he really uh this episode stuck out in my mind because he was good he was really really good you know he's struggling very likable yeah at first you know, he just wants to get Rose out of there. And, and you see him turn on his perspective. He even talks about it. You know, sometimes you just want to punch him in the mouth, you know, talking about Jason. You know, the kid drives him nuts. But the minute Jason was snatched up, he, he this was family. Yeah. And we've got to go get our brother and get him back. And that was not the same Hank we, we saw as he, uh, you know, how he acted towards Jason initially. And so to see that, dynamic and that depth to his character i appreciated and if for a moment um especially when don yelled at him like really hank like uh and then also when he was fighting rose in the hallway and had her in that you know sleeper hole he was about to knock that bitch out and Uh and she's let her go hank and and it made me question like okay is don now going to start questioning her feelings towards Hank hank because of how he's acting but then she came to him in private and you know kind of consoled him and and that's where i feel like she's got like kind of this motherly quality to her she yeah. she listened and it works well for the character of hank because hank is uh, everyone 
I think we're going to get more depth into his character, but the way that they're portraying Hank is very, it should be very relatable to people who can't control their emotions, who just bottle it up. He embodies it. And he embodies it. It's not an abusive, it's not the stereotypical abusive person that... He's a very emotional person. He's a very emotional person, but he's a person that is the atypical person that bottles everything up and doesn't let it out. When he lets it out, it's like a volcano. Yeah, and and, and there's also a certain loyalty to him. Mm -hmm. There's a loyalty to the the team there's a loyalty to new members and then even coming around and in you know protecting rose to an extent um after that whole debacle went down and trying to keep her from escaping it's he's still there's a there's a moral compass in him too there's, there's a moral compass but it just is covered by this baggage yeah he's, and he's, that's all it is it's just baggage that he has to get across i think he's one of the more like real characters of yeah. the show. He's very real. Mm-hmm. He struggles with addiction. Uh, he struggles with his emotion. He's a v- more grounded character. I think a lot of people out there can relate. Uh, yeah. A lot of us don't feel like we can voice our emotions. And then when we do, we're a little more aggressive about it. Mm-hmm. Right. So I-, I totally dug his character. I think I find I've never disliked him, but I kind of was just indifferent I felt like he was just kind of a big doucher. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah, he, he was like yeah. a dude, bro. Yeah. And, and that's all he, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying his story wasn't good. His story was well-written, but I just wasn't really feeling him. I was like, yeah, he's there and that's, that's it. Um, but I think this episode was that there was moments in this episode where I finally decided I liked him. Yeah. Agreed. And I don't want him to go. Agreed. And, and I hope we don't see Something bad happened to him. Um, <laughs> and I want some more sex scenes between him and uh, Dove, too, please. Oh, God, yes. Maybe throw Corey in there, too. Hank deserves it. Come on. <laughs> Hank needs to let off some esteem and a lot of it. Let's uh, take another quick break, and then oh, we, we come need back. One. I want to uh, I want to talk about Slade because the whole episode's Deathstroke, and we need to get a little bit of Deathstroke yep. in, in here. All right. And we are back. Um, so yeah, Deathstroke. Uh, holy shit! <laughs> One, the costume is just continues to be awesome. I'm I'm still on the fence about the whole target in the eye thing, but overall, I can look past that because the rest of of his look and all of his wonderful toys. Yes, I mean when he kept throwing out those those gr- sonic grenades, the sound that they had that the the, the the sound designers did an incredible job. It reminded me of episode two when Django let go those those death charges as Obi-Wan was chasing him. Oh, yeah. It wasn't quite that same, like, holy shit moment that everybody had when that sound happened because none of us had ever heard anything, anything like, like that. But this reminded me of that. I was like, wow, that is such a cool sound effect. Oh, yeah, because, like, the way that they've been portraying Deathstroke has been fantastic because it sticks with the theme that... He is just one level above everybody else. Mm. He's just one level. Everything he does, everything he has outclasses the Titans, just outclasses them. And I really appreciate the the fact that to me, when you see his outfit, it looks more polished than even their outfits. It looks, it has extreme purpose. Extreme purpose. And it adds to the fact that basically it, it adds to the reason why the Titans have so much problems with him and, you know, and, like, and are fearful of him. and are fearful of him. And that's why I like, I even appreciate the fact that they didn't have Robin fight Deathstroke by himself. He had to have at least one of the Titans with him. He had to have Corey with him. Mm-hmm. So, it adds to the to Deathstroke's mythos that he's not a man to be trifled with. No, not at you know? all. And and the, it, even the little things that he did in this episode, him shooting Doctor Light, normally that would anger me because I, when I looked when I watched this for the second time, I go, normally if someone did this, I mean they did it to Aqualad and that angered me, but when they did it to Doctor Light here because it's Deathstroke, the way he delivered it, 
Okay. Okay. Yeah. Dr. Light fucked up beyond, beyond repair at that point. Yeah. <laughs> well, it wasn't until this moment at the end of the episode that we realized, okay, he's uh he's a thing. He's like, a thing. He, he knows what he's doing. He's not to be messed with because up until this, it got forget about what we know about him from comic books and yeah. other, you know, versions of his character we've seen in other TV shows or movies. Um, we had to pretend we don't know anything. And what we've seen so far is a guy that just kind of is a regular ho-hum assassin that takes out regular people's what we've seen so far, yes. mm-hmm. except for maybe Aqualad. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't really justify his costume and his gadgets because he's just taking out regular people. And I loved how they brought it to the, our attention as an audience when Dr. Light made fun of his costume and then they showed exactly what he's capable of doing, doing. when he's going yes. head to head, toe to toe with an alien with superpower. Suddenly yeah. you realize, OK, this guy is legit. He's Th- legit. This guy is really hardcore. And, and yeah. there's so many great moments in this episode. And this is one of them where uh, action speaks louder than words. As we always talk about in on these on this network, on different discussions, we say, hey, show us, don't tell us. And we can have lines all day long. Oh, don't look out for Deathstroke. He's a force to reckon with. He's dangerous. He's a killer. Show us. Yeah, show, show us. me, don't tell and me. And look what they did. They showed us. We already know Robin is very capable, trained by Batman. Mm-hmm. We know Starfire, a.k.a. Corey, is hardcore. She's an alien with power. We don't even know what she's fully capable of yet. Right. And the fact that he was able to go uh, essentially take both of them on and escape I mean, that right there gives us so much because I'm all about development and what you're what you're setting up right yeah. there. And that four minute fight scene says so much about that character. And then also like the dialogue that they choose for him, too, is powerful for that character. It's, it's short simplistic and sweet, like and my, succinct. My favorite moment has to be dialogue wise with Deathstroke is when he talks to, to Dick Grayson. Yeah. He says, no, I don't want to kill you. I want to make you suffer. Right. And when Deathstroke says that, the way he says that, he's that it not only adds to his character, but it added to the story between him and Robin. And he didn't have to even say what Robin did. Yeah. All we know when after that happened, I'm like going, Oh my God, what the hell did Robin do to Jericho? Exactly. This is payback. (laughs) Who's Jericho? Slade's son. Slade's son I'm in the joking. last. We don't know who he is yeah. yet. We, well, it was referenced. It, 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 it was, was referenced, referenced, and we saw we saw Dick um, stalk him stalk in the record. Did they actually Very say who he was? Though his name, I don't remember. I believe so. Yeah, they did. Uh, Rose I, said it, and Rose so it. so yeah. to, to have that little these little breadcrumbs again being dropped to, to lead us to where it's going um, is, is so well done and executed. It, it's executed so well God. with that character. It, it, but to, yeah, his, his dialogue, the, that whole monologue moment was really good. But we've also seen, um, to Mike's point, other things that show how calculating is. When we first got introduced to Slade and we saw him um, spying on his family in the window. <laughs> so we already know he's able to track people down. But he was able to call Dick's phone number and catch him <laughs> off guard. This is a guy that's really te- technically savvy. Can I get that technology so I can call the Diop lady that plays um, <laughs> Corey? Uh, hook me up, bro. I want Anna Diop's number. <laughs> Anna Diop's number. <laughs> hey, what's up, Anna? How you doing? So who's this? Uh, Mike. <laughs> Who? Yeah, we met. <laughs> go with it. Go with it. Just go with it. The, uh, the right f- now, don't mind the noises in the background. Oh, wow. Oh, God. The uh, the other thing we we got to see him cut Jason's tracker out of his oh, leg. Oh man, that was horrible! Like, like we knew it was in there. I actually had kind of assumed at one point because of the previous couple episodes that Jason, you know, would have taken it out of his own body, body. when when he knew Dick did. I kind of figured Jason was just going to be like, "Well, fuck it, if he did it, I'm taking it out of me too." This is bullshit. <laughs> but but it was a good again another good breadcrumb because now we saw in this episode. Slade, Slade set a trap and he wasn't gonna, about to get tracked down or, or use it as the means to bait them. And he cut that thing out of his leg. That's, that's Bruce so. Bruce should have placed that tracker somewhere else. <laughs> like in so, his butt? Oh, wow. Jesus. <laughs> well, Slade well, probably would have, Slade would have had a, uh, Slade would have had a line. He said, he put it there. 
Touche, Batman. <laughs> yeah, there's a line you don't cross, and it's little boy's butthole. It's little boy's butthole. Slade, you're going to have to get it. You're going to have to get it, Slade. <laughs> Touche, Batman. Getting back to the, the Slade um, a few moments ago, it, it, there's just so much that was. This is, this is why I got frustrated with the opening of the season, because this episode is perfect. They did everything the right way, even with... Um, Without giving us too much, but giving us just enough with Slade. For example, when he was talking to Robin, okay, we all, we immediately understand that he has a code. And we understand that it's not just him out to kill people. There's something personal. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't know about the whole Jericho storyline, there's something personal. And he has a code and he's <laughs> upset because he says you're still man- what are you, manipulating young children. children. Right. So we know that he's not just straight up evil. And that makes him that much more interesting. If you're just looking at this from an audience perspective and you don't know much about him as a comic book character. Going back to what you were saying about the manipulation of the, of the, of the, of a kid. Again, there's your tease of, I I almost wonder, are we going to get another flashback to, to show what happened there? I think we have to now, but I don't want it. But what hmm. this episode showed us is they don't have to do the flashback to show us anything. Cause we already saw the one flashback. <laughs> yeah. And if, if you if you're watching all the episodes and you remember that, you should know that that is a reference to Dick going in and clearly manipulating, manipulating Jer- Jericho. Jericho. But I feel like you almost, I mean, you could gloss over it, but, um, and, and just reference that whatever Dick did ultimately led to Jericho's death and Rose blames Slade for her brother's death but I feel like you have to have a flashback in now order in order for Rose to understand or come to the realization that oh shit dad didn't do in context this. in context to Rose yes in context to Rose yes and honestly I don't feel like they need to even draw it out like you can go maybe 20 minutes out of a an episode if and that. get into that yeah. and that's it and then they don't have to ever go back to the past again and mm-hmm. I will be very happy with that if they just give us just a little bit cuz my biggest fear as our listeners know Steve is that yeah. last week was like oh here we go we're going to go back and forth I don't want that but now that we see what path they're taking they don't need to it has to make sense in the context of the story. And so far this, the the one we've got made some level of sense. If we had another one, it would make a hell of a lot of sense, but it can't be every episode or every other episode like arrow. I will, I will lose my shit. Please don't, don't do that. Um, you know, and, and the last thing on, on Slade, just that whole fight sequence, um, the way he moved felt to me, like if you remember how in dark Knight rises, the way Bane moved, he was so deliberate and so tight with his movements and, and had bulk to them. There's no wasted motion. No, yeah. everything was calculated and perfectly executed on it. it, it God damn, it was good. It was, it, it adds to the mythos that he's a veteran. Yeah. You know, he's not a man to be trifled with. He is on par with the heroes above the Titans at this point. He is on par with Batman. Would it be and- realistic though, that he can block all those? I mean, what did his depth, Perception would be a little off. He wouldn't be able to see completely. He's got the targeting computer in his other eyeball. Oh, is that what? I don't know how it plugs into his head, but. (laughs) That's the thing. We don't know how it works, but comic book logic or logic, it works. Yeah, he's kind of got a dead shot thing going on, which is weird. And and that's what (laughs) bothers me about it. But like I said earlier, it's the only, one of the only minor nuggets that bothered me. The other one was, um, you know, going back to the the team and the family dynamic, you've got. Corey, who doesn't want to go home and she's kind of loving it here and then you got donna who wants to get <laughs> wants the fuck, fuck out, out. it's like why why, why? like I, I understand the aqualad thing but that that's in the past lady like you got to move on from that shit so like <laughs> you had every ample opportunity and you blew it and you and you banged the guy one time that's on you that's on you but like i agree with you it's kind of like if Donna really wants out, she should have just left a while ago. Yeah, and, and it, you know, that those were my only two things that bothered me, but they're not big things. They're not big they're, things. They're, they're just minor things. That's why, that's why I said this is close to a perfect episode yeah. because you have those minor instances where you're kind of left scratching your head, but the fact that they gave us a well-paced narrative. Mm-hmm. 
and it kept going and chugging stuck stuck to the strengths of your series you stuck to the story of raven you stuck to the story of dick grayson you stuck to the story of death death uh deathstroke and and we started getting those little nuggets a little bit more between gar and rachel yeah that clearly there's tension rose even called him out on it and he got super defensive because you know he has feelings for her. He's had feelings for her. But then, you know, she lashes out and pretty much... It almost takes off his finger. Yeah, you know, hurts him. <laughs> you know, we've all been there with a woman, I think. <laughs> Especially the crazy ones. But the crazy ones are the best ones in bed. That, that's been my experience. That's, I think that's been a lot of people's experiences. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, so... What what are you guys' final thoughts on on things? Final thoughts from me, if I were to give, if, we got to give it a score, yeah, right? Yeah, we got to give a score. I would give this a ninety, because as you as I said, it's close to perfect. Mm-hmm. It is very ninety. Yeah. Jesus, I, I, it's, I, it's close to a, it's a ninety because I, yeah. when you take into context of Anna the Diop other is a ninety seven. <laughs> <laughs> when you get when you take into contents with the rest of the episodes, the four episodes that yeah. we've had before, and then you take this, this is probably the culmination of their narratives. Mm-hmm. This is what their strengths are. I think you're throwing around the word narrative a little too much. Let's going to take it back just a bit. How about uh, we minus it about twenty themes? So, so stupid. <laughs> so stupid. But uh, I think, it, it, especially the cinematography, the cinematography in this one, oh, good. Probably, I want to say that some some of the other scenes in the other episodes were better, but it's really but it tough. Was still, it was still good. I, I'm with you, David. In fact, I, I Mike's going to be like, "What the hell?" I was going to give it a 92. I was really, really uh, impressed by this episode, and watching it again for a second time, I was even more impressed. And and a couple of the standout moments, um, there were so many. St- shots that look like panels come to life raven with all of her craziness coming out when she was fighting rose was really cool it was really cool and just their fight like when rose attacked her after warning her and and rachel jumped back the expression on her face and then they get into it but when she starts floating and then ultimately throws rose against the cabinet (laughs) and like cracks her neck and you're like Breaks holy her. shit it looks like it broke her in half yeah i mean all of her bones and shit were all over the place you look like peter griffin when he falls down <laughs> something in, in family guy it was hilarious but um th- this the special effects or visual effects on that holy shit man that was some of the coolest stuff that i think i've ever seen on a on a regular show oh and rose rose's healing scene that amazing was, that was creepy it was like uh uh, it escapes me now, but yeah, very creepy. It felt like a horror flick. And I was, I was like going, well, I, at first when it happened, I was going, okay, they killed Rose. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Was this going to be pissed? Slave's going to be pissed at Raven, and then all of a sudden, she just very, almost like, I don't know, like watching her heal gave me like the, chills. The chills. Yeah, like it, it gave me that those cringes. Like, oh, that that looks really. De- disturbing yeah she, totally. she healed up totally and and the uh slade's slade's layer the the look of that how they decorated and set that set up um you know on whatever sound stage or whatever just the lighting and everything and having all the candles the candles seem kind of weird because you know who has time to light that many fucking candles? Slade Wilson. Yeah, yeah. Slade but Wilson. but I appreciate. You imagine that outtake. You see Slade Wilson all his armor lighting all the candles. <laughs> lighting all the candles. Oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> it's but, so romantic. But but I appreciate it because here was a guy that set up in some sewage tunnel, took all this crazy computer equipment, and God knows what down there, lights a bunch of candles, and it felt like. It literally felt like shots out of the Arkham video game series. It felt like I was transported into a world, and and I love it when a show does that. Yeah, it's very it's very Phantom of the Opera ish. Oh yeah, that's a good that's a good pull. I like that, Mike. What about you, man? I, I'm guessing you're not going to give it into the nineties. Uh, <laughs> it's a, it's eighty for me. Ooh. I, I, well, I can't give it perfect. I mean, it was a well, good perfect hundred, right? Well, 90 is pretty high, too. I don't know. I mean, I enjoyed it. I thought it was an exceptional episode. What if? Best episode of the season. Yes. Yes. 
I, I don't have any issues with it. Nothing, um, nothing made me roll my eyes. The mm-hmm. previous couple episodes sure. made me roll my eyes. Like, oh, Jesus. Well, I feel like if your episode is Deathstroke, that's the title of it, you better bring it pretty good. Wouldn't you? And they did. Okay, Mike, would you give this extra points because... Okay, to, to me, Joker, the movie, is like a 95, 96. Well, I cannot put this in that category. So, okay, so all right. Yeah, that, that, I can understand 100%, that but I'm going to use a sliding scale here because, f- to me, f- film of that nature where you have two hours plus to tell a, a right, story right. is yeah. different than what we're trying to do here in an episode of series. That's fair. Uh, that's what I was going to bring up is, like, the 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 also the the really the gift to actually bounce back from a terrible episode that last episode <laughs> we all agreed yeah it gave us it gave us worries mm-hmm. right i mean i remember you my shits said, yeah save you the shits <laughs> it because you guys were saying it followed the bad cw tropes Unless but all of a sudden listen they didn't give me the shits <laughs> but all of a sudden in this episode <laughs> to bounce back and say Oh, don't worry. We're not going that route. <laughs> You're yeah. not going to get a flashback. No, it's a, it was a good job. Nick Gomez, as the director, did a great job. I felt like all those action sequences were executed pretty fucking great. Very precise. Uh, the CGI. Yeah. Uh, my God, I loved it. The fight scene with uh, Starfire blocking bullets with her power. We haven't got to see anything like that yet. Mm-mm. And I'm always afraid. I know we should be at ease at this point, knowing that the DC universe has kind of pulled, you know, they, they managed to deliver some pretty good CGI sequences, but when I know it's coming, I still get a little nervous. And, and yet um, I should probably have confidence by this point because they do an exceptional job with what they have. So that's it. Okay. Well, that's it for today's DC on RMD Titans edition. Remember you can always catch any past and future DC on RMD episodes through DC on RMD.com and be sure to jump out on all the social medias and check us out on Twitter, Twitter at DC on RMD or Facebook at facebook.com slash DC on RMD or on the Instagrams at DC on RMD. Catch you guys later. Mother of God, would you look at the time when you came here, you had an hour.